Speaking of God, we've been looking for him in the movies the past couple of weeks because movies not only illustrate truth, but because all truth is God's truth wherever it's found, including in movies, movies with truth in them at least, are a source of God's truth. And as such, movies can deepen and even ignite faith in God, especially among people who love the movies and who love to talk about them. Movies give us an opportunity to talk to people about God. Today, we're looking at the king's speech. I was a bit hesitant in selecting this movie because it is R-rated, It's the first R-rated movie we've used. It uh, earns its R-rating for language in two however isolated spots. So please use your discretion if you choose to watch this film in its entirety. But I chose the film in the end because it scored so strongly on the two main standards, at least, I use in weighing whether to use a movie in this series. One, it is a powerful presentation of truth. And two, it is popular. It's a movie that people are interested in and talking about. In fact, The King's Speech won several Oscars this year, including Best Picture and Best Actor, Colin Firth. Colin, who plays the beleaguered Duke of York, also known as Prince Albert, and then called King George VI when he becomes king. To his family and friends, he's simply called Bertie. And I should say to his family and friend in the singular, as he really only has one. As you'll see, Colin's performance is one of the best all time, in my opinion. He captures Bertie's pain and fear and anxiety so well, it's hard not to wince whenever this actor is even on the screen. His body language, how he stands, how he moves, the, the, the look in his eyes, he's just wound so tight. And, and in, of course, how he speaks. I'm going to let the movie itself do most of the talking this morning. Uh, More than usual, it's that compelling in my opinion. And so to introduce this movie further, here's our summary of the king's speech. Let's watch. Here's everything you need to know about the king's speech in 5 minutes, 38 seconds. The tension is palpable as the Duke of York, son of the King of England, prepares to give a speech broadcast to thousands. A task that would intimidate most anyone, His Majesty Prince Albert has additional cause to worry. His speech starts out well, but the source of the tension soon becomes apparent. Albert has tried the most advanced speech therapies available. Nothing has worked. Albert is frustrated and he has given up. But his wife, Elizabeth, has not. She makes a last-ditch effort calling on the even more unorthodox talents of Lionel Logue, 
who makes demands difficult for a royal patient to accept. I can cure your husband, but for my method to work, I need trust and total equality here in the safety of my consultation room. No exceptions. Albert and Lionel's first meeting is awkward at best. Lionel manages to offend all of Albert's royal sensibilities and even renames him. I prefer names. Hmm. Prince Albert, Frederick, Arthur, George. How about Bertie? Lionel's last experiment involves playing Mozart at rock concert decibels through headphones while recording the prince reading Hamlet. Albert has had enough. He leaves. But Lionel sends Albert's recording with him as a souvenir. With the possibility of a second world war looming large on the horizon, Albert's father expects Albert to assume responsibilities his brother will not. And he expects Albert to overcome his impediment. Just try it! Do it! Finally, Albert listens to his recording of Hamlet given to him as a gift from his fired therapist. To be or not to be, that is the question. He hears himself speak without impediment and finds himself back in Lionel's office. Thus, Albert begins serious work on his speech. Lionel gives him a number of survival tricks to help him through the speeches he must give. And though they seem horribly silly, they also seem to work. Albert's father has fallen ill, and his passing comes quickly. In his mourning, Albert finds himself back in Lionel's office, desiring to process his recent loss, but unable to speak. That is until Lionel teaches him a new way to work around his impediment. Try singing it. You're barking up the wrong tree now, doctor. Doctor. Eventually, Albert begins to reveal the emotional and physical trauma he endured in his childhood. Who were you closest to in your family? Nannies. Not my first nanny. She, she, she loved David. Hated me. When we were presented to my parents for the daily viewing, she'd be, she'd pinch me so that I'd cry and be handed back to her immediately. And then she would... Sing it. Then she wouldn't feed me far, far away. Lionel accompanies Albert to Westminster Abbey, where preparations have begun for Albert's coronation ceremony. And when Lionel infuriates the king, Albert finally articulates sentiments he never dared utter before. Why should I waste my time listening? Because I have a right to be. I have a voice! Yes, you do. The coronation commences without incident, and Albert officially becomes king. But as Albert is accepting the throne, Hitler is gathering his army. The Second World War is now imminent. Albert must make his most important address to the British people yet. Lionel helps Albert prepare. Now waltz, move, get continuous movement. For the second time in the lives of most of us, we are at... And ready or not, the time has come for the king to deliver his speech. With Lionel guiding his words like a conductor before an orchestra, Albert eloquently announces to his subjects the moral necessity of committing to another war. His speech now completed, Albert and Lionel finally honor one another 
in the most fitting way possible. Well done. My friend. Thank you. Your Majesty. Once again, it's, it's hard to know where to focus in the short time we have this morning. We could talk about God's work in history, behind the scenes even. In this case, making sure the King of England is up to the task of leading and inspiring the British and even the world through World War I. The theme of perseverance and overcoming obstacles or rising to the task at hand is also there. And Jesus' words that to whom much is given, much is demanded also comes to mind. Many of God's truths are on display in the king's speech. But the heart of the picture has to be the relationship that develops between the king, Bertie, and his doctor, Lionel Logue. And deeper still, within that relationship is the intense internal struggle that Bertie wages against himself against his fear and anxiety, and against his royal highness's pride. All of these things stand in the way and keep Bertie from being who he is, a leader, a king, a person who inspires people. We might think that standing in the way of Bertie being who he is, is his stammering, his inability to find his voice. But that's not it, ultimately. His stammering is really only an expression of an even deeper, much more debilitating pain. This man cannot find his voice because he cannot find himself. He is lost, trapped in the grip of both his pain and his pride. And it's up to Lionel Logue to help Bertie work through that, find himself again, to heal his deepest pain so he can be free to be who he is. And Dr. Logue's task isn't an easy one. In fact, at first it's impossible because Bertie refuses to open up, to be broken up, 
to completely trust his new mentor. He's not willing to be broken before the one who needs him to be broken before he can help him. His royal majesty is too hurt and too proud to go there. Tough not to be proud when you're his royal majesty. Instead, Bertie just wants a quick fix. He wants his doctor to simply treat his symptom of stammering without treating its source. Problem is, that doesn't work. It can't. Treating a symptom but not the source is like treating a gaping fatal wound with a Band-Aid. It's like trying to treat darkness without light or to cure it without light. You can only whistle in the dark so long, but in the end, without light, it's still dark. And it isn't until Bertie learns to trust, to truly trust his friend enough to be broken with him, enough to set aside his pride that he finds himself, remembers who he is, and is made whole, and then can speak. As the story develops, it's very easy to see how Bertie lost himself in the first place. In the scene I'm about to show you, you've seen a portion of it already, but I'm going to stretch it out a bit. Bertie finally shares his deeper pain behind his stammering. In the movie, he goes back and forth with being able to share openly and then closing up again, and being able to share and then closing up again. And here we catch him willing to share after his father, the king, has just died. God uses loss of that nature sometime to open us up. You heard that Bertie sometimes sings his words rather than speak them. He helps it to get it out. As we watch this scene, as he shares with Dr. Logue, as we empathize with this man haunted by his pain and inhibited by his pride, maybe we can begin to think about those areas of pain and pride in our own lives, in our own relationships, and how those can keep us from being who we are in Christ, from being who we are with God and with others. Let's watch. Did David ever tease you? Oh, yes, they all did. Father encouraged him. He says, Get it out, boy. Said it would make me stop. He said, I was afraid of, of my father and my children are damn well going to be afraid of me. Are you naturally right-handed? Left. I was punished and now I use the right. Yes, that's very common with stammerers. Any other corrections? Not knees. Metal splints were made. Wouldn't 
one day and night. Must have been painful. Bloody agony. Straight legs now. Who were you closest to in your family? Nannies. Not my first nanny. She, she, she loved David. Hated me. When we were presented to my parents for the daily viewing, she'd be... She'd pinch me. So I'd cry and be handed back to her immediately. And then she would... Sing it. Then she wouldn't feed me far, far away. Took my parents three years to notice. As you, as you can imagine, caused some stomach problems. Still. What about your brother, Johnny? Were you close to him? Johnny. He's a sweet boy. <laughs> Epilepsy. And he's... different. He died at 13. Hidden from view. I'm told it's not catching. Do you want to top up? Please. You know, Lionel, you're the first ordinary Englishman, Australian. I've ever really spoken to. When I'm driven through the streets and I see the, you know, the common man staring at me, I'm struck by how little I know of his life and how little he knows of mine. Thank you. What are friends for? I wouldn't know. Well, no wonder the man stammers. Pain from his past just grips him, and he's lost his voice. He's lost himself, trapped behind the pain, and he can't be who he is. And he struggles with his own pride in order to go and get help. He's been told he's inadequate, and he believes it. And Dr. Logue helps Bertie fight through that debilitating pain to find himself again. And he's only able to do that when Bertie finally lets him in and truly trusts him. I'm sure by now that you see many similarities between the relationship that Bertie and Dr. Logue share and the relationship that we share with God. 
we're all very much like Bertie, whether we literally stammer or not. And Dr. Logue is, is very much like God. Like Bertie, God created all people for a specific purpose. Whatever the details, the purpose of humanity and each person is to glorify God through love. And that's God's intent and design for each of us, for Adam, for Eve, and, and now for us. But like Adam and Eve, sin gets in the way. It confuses us. It immerses us in painful things and covers up the pain, seals it in with pride. And we forget who we are. We can't seem to be who we are. We forget the purpose for which we are made and we're lost. But God finds us. He seeks us out and He offers to help us to heal us in Christ because in Christ we can see through the pain and confusion of sin. In Christ we could remember who we're created to be, who we are, and why we're made to glorify God in love in whatever detailed way that God has planned for us to love Him and to love others. But here's the thing. Before God can help us and heal us, we need to be broken. We need to be humbled to share with Him our deepest pain and need. God will help us and heal us, transform us even, but only to the extent that we allow Him to do it. He won't force it. And oh, He'll do His best to convince us to let Him in, go to extraordinary means, even to the death of His own Son on a cross, and even a vast array of life circumstances, anything to have us turn to Him. But He won't force it. We need to humble ourselves enough to trust Him completely, to be broken before Him, to let Him in. See, Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship, an intimate relationship with God. And if we simply focus on our sinful behavior without addressing its source, well, that's like treating a gaping fatal wound with a Band-Aid or trying to defeat darkness without light. Or like Bertie wanting to treat stammering without tackling the deeper pain causing it. No, to defeat it entirely to be completely healed and made whole so that we in our turn can inspire and heal others, we need to be broken ourselves and to let God in. I've no doubt that if we asked everyone here this morning to share, we would hear from those able to share it story after story of painful things and pride sealing the pain in, similar to the pain and pride in Bertie's life story. And one question for I, ha I have for us this morning is this. Have you shared your pain and your pride with God?
either directly with God or with God through someone close to you, shared openly and honestly and humbly? Have you allowed yourself to be broken that way? Because you see, until we do, God can only heal us so much because he won't force it. See, there's this expectation sometimes in Christianity that once we know Jesus, well, we shouldn't struggle with sin anymore. After all, we're saved, and the Bible says we're transformed. And so when we struggle with sin, nevertheless, we're embarrassed or too prideful to admit it to ourselves, to anyone, let alone to God. And here's the thing about biblical transformation in Christ. It presumes that we're in a tight, intimate, honest, humble, selfless, open, broken relationship before God, partnering with Him with all our might in Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit, partnering with Him in our transformation in Christ, letting Him in to heal us, to help us find who we are in Christ. And that takes work and intention. When's the last time? When's the last time that you openly and honestly and humbly cried with God over your sin struggle or your pain? Or the last time you've done that with someone else, someone close to you? Or is that just too painful to let God get that close, to trust him completely with your pain? Instead, the devil tempts us to think that it's easier and far better just to keep God at arm's length and not go there with him. Because, well, if we're saved, we're fine. I'm saved, I'm fine. And our pride gets in the way, and there God stands constantly, like Lionel Logue, and patiently yearning for us just, just to put our arms down and to let him in to hold us, to truly hold us so he can truly heal us. And it doesn't matter who you are or what the world says you're worth. Oh, one of my absolute favorite things about our God, and we see it in this movie in large part, is that he eagerly partners with people the world casts aside as lesser or not good enough or broken. You know, the Bible's right. Again, when we are weak, we are strong because when we are weak, we let God help us. God is desperate to heal us because he loves us that much. Will we let him in? Will we trust him completely? One of the last scenes in the movie is my favorite Again, you've seen a portion, but I want to let it play out. Bertie is now king, and he's about to give the speech that gives the movie its 
title. And it's important he does it well. He needs to be who he is for such a time as this. His words need to inspire a nation and a world on the brink of war. And so, very much like I picture God with us, Dr. Logue is right there with Bertie, standing with the king as he gives his speech, coaching him, encouraging him, telling him he can be who he is. And it's a longer scene, but we'll close with it. I, I want to play it all for you because it's one of my favorite pictures ever of how God stands there next to each one of us, helping us be who we are in Christ when we're humble and broken enough to let Him. As you watch, see if you can glimpse God there in your life. Ask if you'll let God be there in your life like Lionel is with Bertie, encouraging you, even as Dr. Loge encourages his friend Bertie. Let's watch. Logue, however this turns out, I don't know how to thank you for what you've done. Knighthood. Twenty seconds. Forget everything else and just say it to me. Say it to me as a friend. In this grave, our perhaps the most fateful in our history, I send to every household of my her peoples. both at home and overseas. This message, spoken with the same depth of feeling for each one of you, as if I were able to cross your threshold and speak to you myself. For the second time, 
in the lives of most of us, we are at, at war. We have been forced into a conflict. For we are called to meet the challenge of a principle which, if it were to prevail, would be fatal to any civilized order in the world. Such a principle is stripped of all disguise is surely the mere primitive doctrine that might is right. It is to this high purpose that I now call my people at home and my peoples across the seas who will make our cause their own. I ask them to stand calm and firm and united in this time of trial. The task will be hard. There may be dark days ahead and war can no longer be confined to the battlefield. But we can only do the right as we see the right and reverently commit our cause to God. If one and all we keep resolutely faithful to it, then, with God's help, we shall prevail. still stammered on the W. Well, I had to throw in a few, so they knew it was me. I love the advice that Dr. Logue gives to Bertie. Forget everything else and say it to me. Say it to me as a friend. Oh, that's so like our God. He's always standing right there with us wherever we go. He encourages us and sees us through, giving us the words to say, but giving us the lives to live when we forget everything else and just live it to Him. Live it to Him as a friend. When we let him, 
when we allow ourselves to be weak, to admit it even, then God in us and with us is indeed strong. Will you be broken before God and trust Him completely with your pain and your pride? He's standing right there loving you and waiting for you to let Him in there so you can partner with Him together in your healing, in your becoming more and more like Jesus. So like Bertie, your lives can inspire others to let God in, too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's a difficult prayer sometimes for us to pray, but one that we need to pray nonetheless. Father, help us to be broken before you break through our pride, break through its grip that it has on our pain, on our sin. Get us out of the way, Father, whatever it takes so that you and we can be together where you can truly hold us and heal us. Ultimately, so that the world may know there is a God, that you are love, and that all can be healed in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone. It's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. The benediction this morning comes from the Apostle Paul. Paul knows a little bit about this topic that we've been talking about this morning. Yes, if you would stand, please, and face not only me, but really face each other in community as the people of God. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he talks about a major weakness that he has, a thorn in his flesh. And he's asked Jesus three times to take away what the devil has put on him. And he's writing to Corinth, and he says not to us. But he said to me, but Jesus said to Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in hardships, in insults, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. See you next week. Praise God.